Hello and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, Facebook has smart glasses. Yes, you're hearing us correctly. If you are listening to this the week of September 6th through the 10th, you may be reading some reviews about some Ray-Ban branded Facebook glasses. We will go through all of this because it came out of nowhere. It's really interesting. Lenovo and Motorola co-announced a bunch of new products. We're going to focus on some uh, Lenovo Chromebooks. We're also going to talk about the new Fossil Gen 6 smartwatch, which is is a, is a smartwatch. And uh, we will also touch on Android 12 Beta 5. This is ostensibly the release candidate. Ostensibly. Uh, and if we have time, we will talk about some other news. And there's a surprise at the end. So stay the entire episode, okay? We want our retention rate 100% for this YouTube video. Joining me on this ride is Ara Wagner. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm starting my caffeine early today. Oh, excellent. Yes, so am I. That, but that's not unusual for me. Uh, Nick Zetrick, welcome hey. back. How are you? Fantastic. Glad to hear that. And uh, joining us again in uh, for the second time in, what is it, three weeks? Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, how are you? Daniel Bader, I'm very well. I've been meaning to say this to you for a long time. Uh, you're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. Oh, thank I'm you. Glad to finally get that out. <laughs> I'll be there for you. You'll be there for me too. All right, oh, Nick, uh, let's dive right in and talk about these Ray-Ban stories. So really, like when we say this came out of nowhere, they only leaked about an eight, eight hours ago, like eight hours before the podcast we're recording today. And the review is now live. As of listening to this, you'll be able to read all about it. What is the TLDR on the Ray-Ban Stories sunglasses? Okay. So uh, for a while now, we've been expecting um, AR glasses from Facebook, right? I think for several years at least. Um, these are not them, just so that we're <laughs> clear on that. Um, these are basically snap spectacles. Uh, they've got two cameras on the front. They've got Bluetooth connectivity. You can play audio through the over-ear speakers built into the temple arms. I believe that's what you call them. <laughs> I, I had to look up glasses anatomy several times to make sure I'm referencing the right <laughs> points on this. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so they look like Ray-Bans, right? Um, my wife actually has a pair of Wayfarer, and that was the style that I was sent for the review. Um, they look almost identical. There's a slight size difference, but that's really about it. Um, they're only five grams heavier than a typical pair of Ray-Bans, despite the fact that they have all that stuff in them. Um, I, I mean, hardware wise, this is probably the most impressive pair of smart glasses I've seen. It, it's like when you get a really cool smartwatch and it looks like a watch, but it does more things. That's basically what this feels like, right? Um, Maybe use case scenario, it's about the same there too, because you're only going to use it for a few things. Um, I think listening to music was probably the coolest thing. Uh, the open ear headphones are a lot like what's on the Quest in that um, people, well, okay, let's say the differences are that people in the room around you won't hear it as well, whereas the Quest is kind of designed to be an all-encompassing thing. You hear it, everybody around you hear it, etc. These are actually um, surprisingly immersive but the people around you, like, they can hear that there's music happening, but it's kind of hard to identify it. You just hear this sort of faint sound. Maybe, like, if you have earbuds and they're turned up way too loud, right? <laughs> so, like the Razer Anzu, they 
they don't really go in your ears. It just kind of like projects near your ears. So other people will be able to hear what you're listening to. Yes and no. That's what I was saying. Like they can hear that there's music. They probably can't hear exactly what you're playing. Um, mm -hmm. Also, another interesting thing was that after about 50% volume, the quality takes a pretty hard nosedive. Um, so I think that will kind of keep you at a reasonable level and, you know, make that so that people around you can't hear them as well. Um, the camera side of things is super interesting, right? So uh, on the top right temple, you have a button that can be pressed either one press to record a video that's 30 seconds in length or, you know, shorter if you press it again to stop. Or you can press and hold to take a picture. And both of these things are done with the dual cameras up front. And since they are on the outside of the lenses, they have a really nice perspective. And in the software, so uh, this uses a new app called Facebook View. It is separate from, obviously, the Facebook and Instagram apps, despite the fact that this is called Ray-Ban Stories, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. But um, I, I found that I appreciated the fact that this is a separate app because it lets them have a different privacy policy. And I think going into this, that's probably the biggest concern for people because, well, it's Facebook. So. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely. I mean, so that's obviously the main issue here. And it's interesting because while there is a Facebook logo on the box, there is no Facebook logo on the product itself, right? Correct. Yeah. If you were just looking at these glasses, you would have no idea Facebook was involved. Um, now I guess counter to that is the fact that in order to use the Facebook view app, you have to have a Facebook account. So this discussion is essentially the same as we've had with the quest over the last year and that, you know, the product's great and all, but if you don't want Facebook, well, you can't buy the product because it's not going to do anything for you. All right. So the, the app is the conduit with which you upload photos, video, and, what is the integration with Facebook services? How easy is it to get your, because I mean, Snapchat spectacles, the whole idea there was that you press a button and with a single tap, you can upload it to your Snapchat account and you can do whatever you want with that circular video. With right. these, obviously Facebook owns the Facebook service, but also in, more importantly, Instagram for these purposes. So has that been thought out well enough? I would say... I think the difficulty here lies in the privacy policy thing. So because they had to separate it out, there's a little bit of friction there in that it's not a single tap. So there's no way to live stream from these things. There's no way to have the app take a picture from the glasses. Like everything has to be done from the physical glasses, either with that button or there's also a very light Facebook assistant on there that basically you just tell it, hey, Facebook, take a picture, take a video. It's got like five functions, okay? It's not, it's not super detailed assistant. Um, once you open the app, and you can actually have it auto-sync as well, it will download stuff from your glasses. So there's internal storage on the glasses. It then puts it in your phone's gallery, and you can um, share directly from the Facebook View app. And they told me, they they kind of danced around the privacy policy thing, right? Like they're... Their main thing was we wanted sharing to be very intentional. We didn't want you to just share anything you recorded. And, you know, maybe that has to do with privacy, but it, it felt like something else the way they were telling me. Um, 
what I liked in the software, I, th- I think I forgot to mention this with the depth earlier. So the, the two cameras, because it captures with dual cameras, it captures a lot of depth information. And in the software, you can do uh, collages. You can do what they call flashbacks, where it takes a 2D picture and sort of adds these 3D elements to it. So maybe a bit of movement that you know you wouldn't normally have because a typical camera only has that view. It doesn't have a perspective view like your eyes would. Um, it's clearly pretty early because both of those main features only have three effects in them. <laughs> so it's not a super feature rich thing yet, but I have a feeling they're building more into it. And I think that's probably software aside, aside from the, you know, maybe deeper integration into the Snapchat app, the difference right. that you'll find between spectacles and this, because with spectacles, you can add all these crazy AR effects they have all kinds of stuff like they're way ahead of the AR game, at least in terms of consumer products when, you know, versus Facebook. I think Facebook is probably doing more work behind the scenes, given that they have 10,000 employees working on AR and VR content. But as far as consumer products go, yeah, it's it's still very light. OK, so. Overall, then, I mean, this is probably this this tension, right? Facebook likely want it to be as l- least involved as possible in the branding, the product side of things, while also having as much control behind the scenes on the software and API front. And as a result, do you think that it's that Facebook has achieved that balance? Is this a product you would recommend? I, I would say they have done a really good job. Um, I would definitely recommend them. They're, they're 300 bucks, so it's not a cheap pair of glasses, but these are also Ray-Bans we're talking about, which you know, for a standard pair can range anywhere from 120 to I think $300, honestly, depending on the style you get. Um, For me, I got the sunglasses ones, which are less useful because I really can only wear them outdoors. Um, You can opt for several different kinds of lenses. Um, They partnered with Luxottica to make, you know, you can do prescription lenses, transition, etc. If you were to buy these, I would say buy at least the transitions lenses. Because, you know, otherwise, if you have the ones like me, you're stuck only using them outdoors. And that really limits what you can do with them and where you right. can wear yeah, them. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, other than that, yeah, they, I've been really genuinely impressed with these. Like they just what they do, they do really well. And I think that's important. Lightning question round. Um, how big is the case? Ah, I didn't talk about the case. I forgot. So, um I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit bigger than your typical like hard glasses case, but you're talking about the charging case, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So it's a little bit bigger than your typical like hard glasses case, but not very much. I think the the main thing here is that it has a battery in it and that takes up a little bit extra space. But yeah, you just you click it in the case and it charges and that's it. It's it's pretty snazzy. Uh, is are, are the arms bulky, like uncomfortably so? No. They, they are okay. thicker than a typical pair of Ray-Bans, but not by much. And what's the battery life like? Uh, they rate it at six hours. It depends on your usage. When I took it to that outdoor concert, they lasted me about two, but I was basically taking pictures and video the whole time. Okay. And how much storage and other, like how, how, mu- how much actual video content can you capture on it? Uh, more than the battery will last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, when you spoke to Facebook, did they talk at all about upcoming software improvements, given that 
ultimately these are going to be competing with spectacles or this you know nascent category in general of smart glasses they were really coy on talking about updates of any kind i even asked about integration into you know facebook and instagram apps and they were basically like yeah we're not going to comment on that right now <laughs> so before we move on from these i just want to talk about the fact that facebook and michael i'll bring you in here mm. has created a number of hardware products over the last three years and as criticized as the company is, they've actually been fairly good products on their own. We think when I when I think about the Oculus Quest and Quest Two, uh, the Oculus Go was not super impressive, but it was a it was a start. The Facebook Portal, right? This is a product that people lambasted when they heard about it, and ultimately ended up buying in pretty large numbers because it turned out to be the best way to get a webcam set up on your television for all intents and purposes. And now this one, it feels like Facebook is slowly working its way into mainstream culture, trying to gain some acceptance by dipping its toe into branding hardware while also kind of hiding behind the scenes. And, and I, I wonder what you think about that. I don't, it, it doesn't seem to me that it was is going to do enough to overcome the uh, reputation troubles that Facebook is having, you know, I mean, those are core issues that are going to be handled elsewhere. I mean, I <clears throat> misspoke when you asked if I had ever, if I had heard of these before. In fact, I had, I just forgot. I was at a party with a friend of the friend of the show, Chris Velasco recently now of Washington post. Oh, and, that um, fancy man, you know it. And he was wearing some nice sunglasses that I did not notice at all until he uh, hit a button and a white led came on. I was like, Oh geez, those, what, what? <laughs> and that's where I first learned of them. So um, I think that that does present um, a potential hurdle, though. I mean, it's great that there's a disclosure LED on them. There should be on everything like that. But I think it, these will just serve as another reminder that, you know, Facebook can always be lurking around the corner to deliver you your racist uncle's views. Um, and if no, your I racist don't. uncle is wearing these glasses, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I, I think they're interesting. I just feel like uh, the Bose frames probably have better sound. The Snapchat spectacles were fun until they weren't, which took about a week for me. I, I don't know. I, this, this category does not fill me with the hope it, or the um, enthusiasm it once did. Yeah. As, as, a, as an early adopter of uh, the North um, mm. Focals by North, glasses which were ar glasses yeah those were uh, very cool and and actually tried to do a lot and didn't do any of it very well um i'm very skeptical that we're anywhere close to people wanting smart glasses on their face yeah but those uh, were that being they, said I, facebook I, got out of you know the gate with oculus and it has turned the oculus ecosystem into basically the only VR ecosystem out there and it's extremely successful and it's very good and I love it and Nick loves it and everybody who uses it that I know loves it. So in that sense, Facebook probably understands that this is just a toe dip into a market that will mm -hmm. be served, whether it's Facebook or, or Apple or Google, not Google because they suck at this stuff. Um, but some other company will get there and Facebook does not want to be left behind again. Yeah, I, I think what's also interesting is that this appears to be maybe sort of a stopgap product, right? Because like I said, we've been anticipating those proper AR glasses for a while now. 
And this feels like the in-between, like, hey, is there actually interest in this? Let's gauge it with something more traditional, I suppose. Right. A little more toned down. Yeah. Well, I will uh, wait until the excitement dissipates in about a week, and then I'll probably buy one refurbished for 100 bucks. So we'll see. Um, thank you, Nick. That was, that was really interesting. Um, <laughs> Lenovo... Uh, announced a new Chromebook Duet 5. Ara, this is the Duet. The Chromebook Duet was kind of your baby. Uh, you you loved it. You were the person who recommended it to me, who I who I you recommended it to a lot of people. Um, Facebook, Facebook, Lenovo did not follow <laughs> up with a traditional successor. This is a little bigger. It's a little more expensive. But tell us about the Duet 5. Well, Lenovo didn't really need to put out a direct successor to the original duet because the duet's going to get chrome os updates until 2028 so it's still a perfectly good product and it fits well in the 200 to 300 price range that it usually sits at these days so what they needed was something bigger because so far we had seen chromebook uh chromebook tablets that have been about the duet was 10 inches i think the asus and the acer were about 10.5 10.5 and then the hp one that was announced last month is 11 so we have all of the chromebook tablets so far had been kind of small even the pixel slate was only like 11 and a half or 12 inches right i didn't actually get to play uh, yes. with the slate way 12. back in 2018 yeah yeah so this will be the uh so this is a chrome tablet that is actually the size screen you would want to work on because this is a 13.3 inch 1080p touchscreen. It's an OLED touchscreen, so it hopefully should look better than previous panels. But what I'm really excited about here is it has a 400 nit panel, which it's very rare to see the brightness is that high in Chromebooks. The, the standard brightness for a Chromebook screen is about 230 to 250 nits, which is like the floor for a Windows computer. Um, the, Acer spin, uh, the Acer Chromebook spins 713, stands out so much because it has a 450 nit brightness screen so you can actually use it outdoors so hopefully this screen is going to look great work very well uh the only real reservation i have about the duet 5 is the processor since this is going to be the first chromebook with the snapdragon 7c gen 2 compute platform because god can anybody just name things short again please um (laughs) So yeah, I'm I wasn't super duper thrilled with the 7C Gen 1 Chromebooks that I have played with. I need to go unbox one that's sitting in my dining room right now to see whether or not 8 gigabytes of RAM will save it cuz 4 gigabytes of RAM really wasn't enough. Um so I'm I'm very hopeful here cuz we're getting upgraded RAM, we're getting updated storage including SSD models it looks like Sorry, the the spec sheet that Lenovo sent out for the Duet 5 was like bare knuckle, like threw it together in five minutes in Excel versus everything else got like a full page spread. So they haven't given us a whole lot on it yet. Yeah. We used an existing Windows frame, uh, Windows laptop frame, threw Chrome OS on it, downgraded a few of the components and called it a day. Here's your new Chromebook. So it does feel like that. A little well, bit. Although Lenovo treats their Chromebooks like from a product perspective with enough Lenovo respect. Lenovo does consumer products better than just about anyone besides, well, Lenovo does it slightly better than Acer, and Acer does it a 
about the same as Aces does. But yeah, um, Lenovo does really good with their Chromebooks. They know what people want. They're willing to change things up and just get something out the door quickly if they realize, okay, this doesn't really suit people's needs, but we know that this did because this sold well. Or, okay, people complained about this. Let's shift it for the next generation. Lenovo is very good on iterating like that. Um, right. I'm hopeful. We didn't get confirmation that the Duet will for sure ship with the keyboard in every single box, but I'm hoping it did because that was part of why the Duet worked so well. You got the magnetic kickstand and you got the pogo, can, uh, pogo pin keyboard slash folio cover that made it just a complete experience out of the box. So I'm I'm hoping we see that again because this is going to be the uh the the real downside of having Chrome tablets that were that small, ten to twelve inches, was that you didn't really get a full size keyboard. This Chromebook is thirteen point three inches, so you're going to get a full size keyboard and a decently sized trackpad. Because the one on my Duet, as I sit here right now going through show notes, the trackpad here is small. I got to play with this thing for a couple of minutes because uh, Lenovo was here in New York City, and uh, the it, all the I agree with most of what you said. Are, it, I will say the um, fabric finish they're using for the exterior of that keyboard is very very cool. They're doing oh, kind good. of like a Pixel Five case, but it's got like a coating on it so it to resist fingerprints and dirt and all that stuff. And as usual, Lenovo just uh, pretty pretty much slays it on the hardware. I really like the stuff they're delivering. Yeah, no, the uh, I'm very happy to hear you say that the bottom of the keyboard is going to be the fabric as well, because whenever I reviewed the P11 Pro at the beginning of this year, I was like, okay, most of this software is garbage, but I really wish the Duet had been this polished in its in its presentation because mm -hmm. the keyboard snapped close to the uh, to the tablet. So that way you had a consistent and it'll stay in shape package. And then the back, uh, the bottom of the keyboard was covered with fabric, so it felt better in your lap and it felt better in your hand. Yeah, so I'm happy to like hear that. One. I think I'm going to love this one. And I'm definitely trying to get one in for review as soon as possible because I want to play. But the, uh, the other big thing here is the price. Because the last time we had anything resembling a premium foldable, or uh, sorry, a premium detachable in the Chrome OS space, it was the Pixel Slate, which started at six, which started at like six or seven hundred, and then you had to buy the keyboard and the kickstand. So this will have at least the kickstand in the box because I really can't imagine Lenovo telling you to buy that separately. Um, and it'll be, it'll probably have the keyboard in the box too, and it'll be four hundred and thirty dollars for the base model, and hopefully. I'm hoping it'll be around 500 for the fully decked model because I definitely will recommend to anybody and everybody buying a Chromebook in 2021 and 2022. Four gigabytes of RAM is okay. Eight gigabytes of RAM is going to be much more future-proof, especially if you're looking at these based on how long they're going to get updates. Yeah, I can't imagine they wouldn't bundle the keyboard. It is essential to the use of the computer. So Yes, especially on Chrome. Especially on Chrome. All right, well, we will have more to come on that, and I look forward to reading your review on that, Ara. Let's move on and talk a bit about a couple of products that uh, Michael has seen, used uh, exclusively, it seems. So let's start with the Fossil Gen 6, which is announced. It's a thing. It's available now if you want to buy one. But Fossil has 
not been uh, quick to send out review units. So, Michael, you have one of these. It's the first smartwatch to launch with Snapdragon Wear 4100 Plus. It will get Wear OS 3 next year sometime. It's a, just a nicer upgraded version of the Gen 5, which we liked despite its hardware shortcomings. So take us through the Gen 6 for us. You have covered 80% of it uh, in that little blurb. It's, it's you know, I think I say in my video, which is not up yet for reasons I'll talk about in a second, that if you have like a Gen 5, you really shouldn't feel pressured to upgrade to this until next year when the uh, Wear OS 3 update becomes available to the uh, Gen 6. But if you have something like a Gen 4 Explorist or something earlier than that and you're a fossil diehard, then yeah, this is this is a reasonable update because that 4100 plus means they've added a, the coprocessor to it, the same coprocessor from the 3100, but because it's attached to a more powerful SoC, it can do more, it can deliver a little bit better. Fossil says about a 20% improvement in battery life over previous generation watches. Uh, it enables always on displays with moving elements and doesn't really take a hit on battery life as a result. And yeah, I mean, I've been wearing it for uh, 10 or 12 days at this point. And um, it's, you know, it's an all day, it's a 24 hour watch, actually, even if you max it out, like I've got max brightness and I use facer for watch faces and uh, tilt to wake and media controls, you know, you keep all that stuff on and it's still a 24 hour watch, which is pretty cool. If you are a little more conservative, you can go to 36 hours and then, a, you know, you can use fossils, um, battery saving modes to get even longer if you want to. So it's okay in terms of battery life. Um, the thing that a lot of people are not going to talk about is that the, the charging rings have been redone on the back. And the reason that is important is because fossils charging rings for years have been lifting off of their watches. Like the, they were glued on. Um, and these are, these are like circles of, of metal essentially embedded in the case back. And now they are actually countersunk and they're not attached with glue. They're like, the casing keeps them in. So that problem, maybe that years long problem is maybe finally solved. And that would be great because if gen six is anything like gen five, you know, there's going to be so many variations of this. There's already the Michael Kors version announced. Hopefully we'll see citizen and diesel and all the usual suspects uh, make gen six versions too, because I don't necessarily love the gen six design. If I have it next to the fossil gen five, I'm like, Oh yeah, I kind of prefer the five, but it's very subjective. What are the major differences? I don't see much of a difference. Like hardware, like in terms of aesthetics? Yeah. The lugs are much more shoulder-like. They're much beefier. They're bigger. If I'm talking about mm -hmm. the men's version. So there's a 40, 44 millimeter men's version. And then a um, it, they call them, you know, this mine is literally called Men is the name of my smartwatch. <laughs> so Great. on mine, the bigger one, the lugs are bigger. They're very, um, they, they suggest a linebacker. And the crown now has a guard on it, like the Citizen CZ Smart did. So it's a little chunkier. There's some knurling on the bezel that suggests it rotates, but it does not. Um, oh, it's yeah. Just, it's just a little more substantial, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. I just tend to prefer the five, but that doesn't matter. I think that the real thing is that this would be this would be a very easy recommend if it weren't for that Wear OS 2.3 that it's shipping with. I mean... It's a good platform now. It has enough specs on this device to run properly with that processor and the gig of RAM. But, you know, what, what do we want? We want Wear OS 3. We want it to solve all these problems we've been talking about uh, for, for ages, some of which are still not solved on 2.3. And, and we're not going to see it until next year. And by that point, this thing might be cheaper anyway, because it's next year. So it, it, 
I, I don't uh, I don't want to say I feel bad for Fossil. They're a massive company and they're doing very well, I think, but it's hard to uh <laughs> it's hard to feel good for them. And uh of course I reached out to both Fossil and Google about, you know, hey, does anybody want to talk about this? No, no, we're not able to comment on. Okay. I mean, we have learned through sources that Fossil really did not know much about the Wear OS 3 update until is, yeah. until Google announced it at I.O., which was late. I mean, this was May of this year. And we're not sure exactly how long Fossil or Samsung and Google were working on this, but it's reasonable to expect that Fossil likely knew that this was going on, Right. They had to have a line to Google in some way, right? Because Fossil gets updates from Google or was getting updates from Google on Wear OS 2. Uh, the HR2 update rolled out earlier this year, and mm -hmm. Fossil was one of the first OEMs to get it. It's interesting that Fossil was kind of kept in the dark, and it's likely because Samsung... I mean, this is all conjecture, but it's likely Samsung insisted on it. Which, if, if so, it's a bummer because I don't dislike the Galaxy Watch 4, but right now and maybe for the for the rest of the year and for the beginning of next, the only Wear OS experience you can have is one that is skinned to look like Tizen. And as good as, as, as much as a lot of people like that, I just um, don't really, you know, personally. Yeah. And it would be so nice to see what Wear OS 3 looks like without a skin on it. Um, and I do wonder, and tell me if I'm crazy... I wonder if it needs a skin. <laughs> I wonder if Wear OS 3 doesn't have a UI. <laughs> and the manufacturers have to build their own UI to make it work, and that's why it's not, uh, that's why it's not working. It's not ready this, yet. Wear OS 3 is the PowerShell of watchOS's. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's the DOS prompt. That's right. Um, maybe that's why the Pixel Watch doesn't really exist, because Google built the, the code base and then just didn't want to build the UI for uh, actually running it. So... Well, yeah, speculation watch Saturday just never come out. You have yeah. to be Neo in order to read the matrix code on it. <laughs> oh man! Okay, hey, no, no talking about that until the end, please. <laughs> I'm, saving, I'm saving my happiness until okay. until the end of the show. All right, um, I, I, I think we're gonna have to take a break, and we're gonna come back, and Michael is gonna talk about another thing that is kind of cool. So uh, stick around. If you're trying to build a brilliant AI, you need a Turing test. How about if you're trying to hire a brilliant thinker? You need Indeed assessments. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, a job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skill tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more job hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ACP. Get a $75 credit. Go to Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. 
Okay, Michael, uh, I teased this for the end of the show, but we're on a t- we're, we're on a strict timeline here, so I do want to let you spread your wings a little bit and talk about this very <laughs> cool project. Um, so I won't give anything away. Just tell us what it is. What if a company came along uh, with a phone that looked an awful lot like the Galaxy Z Flip, but cost hundreds of dollars less? Would that really that I'll do anything it. for you? Well, you won't because it. It's not going on sale. <laughs> uh, for all of this year, we have been, I have been um, repeating TCL's promise to itself and to the rest of us that TCL Mobile would ship a foldable and affordable foldable by the end of 2021. Uh, thanks to what I take to be, and this is a combination of what I know and what I'm speculating, uh, component shortages, um, uh, perhaps a lack of enthusiasm uh, on the carrier's part to push foldables. And uh, this part is for sure TCL's own admission that they couldn't deliver the experience they wanted at the price they wanted to hit quite with this generation. They have decided that the time is not right. They're going to eat, eat crow or whatever expression you want to use. They're going to say, hey, sorry, we can't deliver this like we said in the time we said, but we have a couple samples We'd like to send it to you, to a couple of you, to show you that we are working on this. It's not vaporware. We haven't brought you to these trade shows for three years and showed you samples just to get our name in the headlines. We are we are making a good faith effort to break into the foldable space, and here is what it would have looked like. So they sent a mostly finished version of what they are, their code name is uh, Chicago, and it is very much like a first-generation flip with some aesthetic spec and um functionality differences some better some worse okay so you have one in hand i do right now it says not for sale on it which i love tell us about the hardware so uh if you can envision the first galaxy z flip or the second one um expand its dimensions by you know two or three percent in almost every axis if you are a fan if you were not a fan of these long diving board displays that the flips have this one will probably appeal more to you. I think it's 20 by 9 instead of 22 by 9 or whatever the Samsung is. So it's a little wider. Um, it has a Dotch display, which I forgot TCL calls its displays Dotch displays because you can be either be a dot or a not really a notch. You can like hide the, hide the selfie camera behind a forehead. Most importantly, when you close it, um, the outer display is, while not as big as Flip 3, it is substantially larger than what was on the first Z Flip. So you can do things like, you know, read the weather on it and there's like a scrolling. Oh, wow. Oh, that widget panel scrolls. I didn't realize that while I was filming. That sucks. Uh, yeah, so you can do things <laughs> with the with the outer display that you couldn't on the Samsung. They also included higher resolution cameras. Um, there is wireless charging. There's a larger battery than the Z Flip. There are, you know, and the display is plastic, actually, and so is the outer casing. So while it feels a little cheaper, it will probably not suffer from the kind of fatigue cracking problem we have seen and are already seeing again, if you're on Reddit, um, with the um, Samsung yeah. ultra thin glass stuff. Oh, man. We're actually doing a story about the Samsung Care Plus insurance yes. package. Good idea. And looking into why Samsung dropped the Z Premier program and if it was too early in the foldable lifespan to do that given i think samsung has a little bit of a little bit too much confidence in the longevity of these displays 
Yeah, I tend to agree. And, uh, we're actually looking into why Samsung dropped the program, what it means for consumers, right? If you're spending 12 bucks a month or whatever it is on the Samsung Care Plus once you get over the, the first year free, and then what it will cost you to repair a Galaxy Z Fold 3 versus, say, as an S21 Ultra, it's twice the cost to mm-hmm. get your your foldable repaired. Um, but it's it's just, was it the right move? We're talking to experts and analysts to figure that out. Um, and Samsung said the demand for Z Premier was just not there. It just wasn't enough to maintain it. I think uh, it was cost-related, obviously. I think it was definitely cost-related. it was definitely cost-related. Yeah, that's bogus. And nothing to do with overconfidence. Like, I, I doubt Samsung is that confident in the second or third gen of its glass to be that confident. It's a matter of, okay, not a whole lot of people were buying this, even though it was the re- it was the smart way to protect your phone. Okay, if y'all don't want to do that, we'll just do our regular program and you can pay more on the back end. We'll make it your only option. Right. I mean, yeah. it, they said from the beginning, this generation was about efficiency. And that includes... Right. The cost part of the, the equation. Right. Well, and, and that's another reason, you know, look, I think I'm, I'm pretty let down to bring it back to TCL. I'm, I'm bummed, right? It sucks when a company can't, you know, makes a, makes a promise, draws a line in the sand and then can't, can't deliver on time. Um, but on the other hand, you know, while this TCL Chicago device would have probably been a pretty okay competitor to the Z Flip first generation or the Z Flip 5G um, assuming it was priced properly, which it probably would have been priced, you know, fairly competitively, uh, it, it wouldn't have been a competitor to the Z Flip 3. Like, on the one hand, the Z Flip 3 just reignited so much enthusiasm. It essentially single-handedly injected momentum back into the foldable space. Um, but I, I, So TCL could ride those coattails a little bit if it actually launched this. When you hold the two simultaneously, I mean, there is just no question which one is cheaper and, you know, on the whole, less capable. And there's no question which one is the budget device. And a great point that TCL made in my interview was like, look, if somebody's going to spend, say, $800 on a a foldable, that same person probably has the money to spend $1,000 on a foldable from a company they know already. And they're a very new brand. So they just weren't confident on a few fronts that they could deliver the experience they wanted. So I get it. Is TCL that new? Mm-hmm. Not TCL, but TCL Mobile. Oh. Yeah, so they've only had their own house brand for two years, but I'm glad you asked that, or two or three years, whatever it is, because, you know, I brought up the same thing. I was like, is, you know, it's, is TCL too conservative to be doing this, guys? Like, are you, are you just too risk-averse? Like, what's, what's the deal? And they, they were very funny. They were like, hey, um, we're the ones who made that BlackBerry you liked so much. We're the ones who brought back the Palm brand. I'm like, we're not averse to risk. Um, if we wanted to keep doing stuff like that, we would have just kept using those brands that we bought or kept those licensing agreements in place. Um, we started TCL Mobile to do something different. So that was the bright side of the thing. Like, we are doing this. We are invested in foldables. We will bring a foldable device to the market and we're fully committed to it. But it's just not the, not the time. I respect that. Me too. Weren't there TCL branded, like just TCL model name phones like five or six years ago? Like no, the only thing Alcatel. here is a slight name change, right? No, they, no, they just, as far as I know, they were just Alcatel was that was their first, um, the first brand they bought. 
or yeah, licensed I, or whatever. I think you're thinking Alcatel because I'm pretty yeah, sure maybe. everybody yeah. referenced TCL anytime they talked about Alcatel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and BlackBerry for that matter. Right. And I mean, so. I, I do want to just point out the there was a time it was 2015 where the Alcatel Idol Three was oh, the yeah. best unlocked smartphone you could mid range budget to mid range smartphone you could recommend. Like this yep. was pre Pixel A series. This was pre uh, Samsung Galaxy A coming into its own. Like there weren't a lot of three to four hundred dollar budget Android phones that weren't terrible at the time. And Alcatel kind of blew it out of the water with that series and then didn't was never able to repeat their success. Right. And it it was like this flash in the pan of, okay, this is what TCL can achieve. This is how they're going to affect change in the Android OEM space. And just could not leverage that one success to build momentum behind the Alcatel brand. And I do wonder in a in a parallel universe where that momentum had been maintained somehow, whether we would really see a very different mid-range market in the US than we do today. I I, I don't know, but it's it's kind of I would it's prefer a, that. It's an interesting you know, thought experiment, right? It is. It is. And and that's another reason I do wish they'd found a way to get this delivered despite all the all the hurdles we just talked about, because right now Samsung just you know, Samsung can have this uh, burgeoning issue of this ultra thin glass cracking thing, at least, you know, getting more visible on Reddit. It can have a less competitive repair program. It can kind of it can kind of, uh, as Andrew Martinick used to say, win in neutral for a little bit, because who's challenging it in foldables, right. at least in North America? What Motorola? We don't appear to be getting another razor before the year is out. Um, Xiaomi is overseas. Um, and their their thing is a competitor to the Fold One. Like no one is bringing the heat, and um, That's fair. I would very much like for some someone to be putting Samsung on notice so they don't slack. You know, they don't slack. Well, I I agree with that, and and we will definitely be covering all of the ups and downs of uh, the the Fold and Flip saga. Yeah, um, I actually I I. There's an article that's going on the site that's on the site now by a freelancer um, that that writes for us, Chris Waddell, um, all about how he loves the hardware of the Fold 3 but really does not like the software. It's a giant mess, he says. I'm in that boat a little bit. Less, I'm, I'm still enamored of the hardware. I love using it, but I'm getting a little bit of typing fatigue. Not literally, but like I'm just so... I, I almost... Whenever I have to type on this thing, I dread it in a way that I've never dreaded typing on a phone before. Hmm. And unlike some other people who are like, oh, I really like the idea of doing real work on my folds because I have this larger real estate. For me, it's like if I have to type an email, I almost don't want to take my phone out of my pocket because I know that it'll take me longer than it would on a Pixel or an iPhone. And that, that to me is actually causing quite a lot of friction and making me want to switch back to a non-foldable. So have, have you tried a lot of keyboards? I've tried all of them. I've tried the Samsung oh. one. I've messed around with sizing. I've tried I'm on Swift Key right now with with the 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 thumb keyboard um which is not keyboard? super optimized, but it's it's okay. I've tried Gboard, just like the oversized Gboard on the yeah. big screen, which again is fine but not great. Like there's no perfect solution here. I wonder if Chroma has updated their keyboard for foldables yet. I just want Samsung 
to update its keyboard for foldables. Like they've they, every time we get a new fold, I'm like, you don't care enough about your keyboard experience to actually improve it for your flagship product. It, it just it kills me. Um, that's a legit. I, yeah, it's a anyway, legit thing. Besides the point, that piece is good. I, I just want it real quick. I mean, that sorry, piece sorry, is, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that piece is good. The headline is terrible. Um, the headline is clickbait. So the rest of the piece is really excellent. Um, there are a lot of legit complaints. I will say the keyboard thing. I don't. I don't share it. You know, it's funny. There's different tastes because the oversized keyboard does me fine on the inside of the folders. One of my favorite things about it, actually, because I feel like my brain can spread out more. I have a bigger canvas. Uh, I never got into split keyboards, but uh, different strokes. You think the you think it's a clickbait headline? It's a horrible giant headline. Mess? It's a horrible really? headline. It's not a giant mess. The, the piece goes on to describe how uh, the piece goes on to describe valid complaints, half of which you only know about if you're enough of a power user to know what good lock is. Um, it, it's a great ah. piece, but it's not nothing about this is a giant mess. It needs optimization. Well, as editor in chief of the site that approved this headline, I'm, I'm a little taken aback. <laughs> hey, um, but don't I, forget, look, I will take your feedback, life, and I appreciate my inspiration. it. Just I, no, don't, I do. Don't I, ever forget that. I do. I do appreciate it. I'm not going to change the headline without talking to the writer, but it is good feedback, and I actually think we're gonna we're gonna find a way to to, to see middle ground here because I I agree. I don't think it's a giant mess. I I think this is hyperbolic. I don't think it's clickbait. Uh, that is correct. You are, I used the incorrect term. It is hyperbolic. Okay. That's fine. I will, I will, ex- I will agree. I will, I Sorry. will agree with that feedback. That's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. Um, that's why we have these, these podcasts to talk about. Indeed. All right, let's, uh, let's take another quick break and we will come back and talk very quickly about Android 12 beta five. And we'll finish with what's making us happy. There's never been a better time to become a programmer. And with Codecademy, you can learn to code on your own terms. Whether you're starting from scratch or looking to advance, Codecademy can help you reach your coding goals. Learning to code might be the easiest way to change your career, especially when you learn with Codecademy. Simply put, Codecademy is the best way to learn to code online. They not only teach you job-ready coding skills, but also help you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. I've actually been using Codecademy to brush up on my HTML and CSS skills, and I'm even dabbling in a little of JavaScript. And you know what? It's not as hard as I thought because Codecademy makes it super easy. Here's why you should find your time to use Codecademy. You can get qualified for in-demand jobs in as little as two months. You can learn at your own pace and your own level. And you can choose what to learn from building websites to analyzing data and everything else. Learning coding languages, including Python, HTML, CSS, SQL, JavaScript, and more. And if you're not sure where to begin, Codecademy will put you in the right direction. You can get instant feedback because your code is tested as soon as you submit it. So you always know that you're on the right track. And Codecademy's interactive platform helps you learn by doing. You can then build a portfolio and get a certificate of completion to make sure that you are more marketable to future employees, and you can test your knowledge with tailor-made quizzes just for you. So be part of Codecademy's community of over 50 million people and land your dream job in web development, programming, computer science, data science, and tons more. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to codecademy.com 
and use promo code Android. That's promo code Android at Codecademy to get 15% off Codecademy Pro, the best way to learn to code. C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com, promo code Android. Okay, Nick, uh, last topic of the show. It's a small one because it's a small update. Android 12 Beta 5, which is the release candidate, came out yesterday as we're recording this. What is the 30-second TLDR on Android 12 Beta 5? Uh, More material you. Uh, They still haven't fixed all the little quirks, but uh, a lot of them have been fixed. It's definitely closer to release. And uh, I like Google's take on Samsung's design more than Samsung's design. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, That's it. it, Like, there's sold so many bugs in this release that it's it's hard to believe it's the release candidate. But um, everything does seem to be in place for the final build, right? Like, like the the in-app... Um, the local discovery search is enabled now. Yep. Um, there, like the scrolling screenshot UX has been finalized. Yeah. There are some apps like the calculator app that have been updated with Material U. It does seem like everything is sort of there. It's just that some of some of the bricks are misaligned, and I'm not sure if they're going to align them before the fo- final release or if they're going to wait, release a relatively buggy final quote final and then do a 12.1 update with google with the pixel 6 in october that's my guess yeah i was gonna say i think the pixel 6 is when we're gonna see like proper final android 12 yeah yeah it's uh very interesting and we got a lot of criticism this week actually and i i want to acknowledge that for publishing a lot of content around how buggy Android 12 has been and people saying, well, it's a beta, you should expect bugs. And our argument was the equivalent Android 11, 10, 9 betas were not that buggy, so close to release. And people mm-hmm. are like, well, listen, it shouldn't matter. As long as Google, you can you can bring a build right to the edge, right to the precipice, but as long as it does not fall over and die, then you're fine, right? You're just, that's what a beta is. That's what a process release cycle is and our argument is that if they're so far away from stability in beta 4 and now beta 5 which is a release candidate what does that mean for regular pixel owners of which there are millions out there that will be receiving this update what does it mean for them if that final build is not up to snuff if it's not worth downloading if we for the first time ever cannot recommend a day one download of android 12 that's what i'm saying but again we're going to leave the door open if it is stable and 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 everything is fine by the time they release android 12 in a couple of weeks then i'll eat my i'll eat my hat isn't it fascinating how you can you can (laughs) make write a bunch of content for the express purpose of trying to ensure a solid consumer experience and you will get shouted down by people who want to defend billion, billion, billion dollar companies. Isn't it trillion, nuts? Trillion, yeah. trillion dollars. Yeah. Can, I, can I play devil's advocate on one thing for Beta 5 real quick? Well, for the bugginess of Android 12 as it is in Beta 5. Most of the bugs that we're still seeing relate to 
Pixel features, not the core Android 12 system, right? Like at a glance is messed up. And there were a couple of things in the Pixel launcher that are still a little bit messed up. But the core system, most of the, all those bugs have been fixed, right? Apart from some Material U quirkiness, which again, I don't know how much of Material U is actually going to be on a phone other than a Pixel. Right. Yeah, and that's that's something we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, there's like I, I've tried to get clarification from a couple couple different Googlers and nobody could tell me whether or not material you would be coming to any other phone besides Pixel. Yeah, and the biggest test will be to see what Samsung does with Android 12 when it releases its first One UI 4 beta in a month or so, because we know that they're dog fooding it inside the company. They said this month. Public? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, the beta. You could oh, sign up for the, the beta public. on their forum right now. All right. Well, we only have a few weeks to go, so we'll we'll see. Okay, that is the show. We are going to uh, go around quickly and talk about what my favorite segment is, what's making us happy. Michael, we will start with you. What is making you happy this week? The entire or most of the Anthony Bourdain media empire. I watched uh, Roadrunner a number of months ago. I saw it three times in the theater. It, it changed my life in a way that I am still processing. And I've been going back and reading all of his books, uh, Kitchen Confidential, Medium Raw, and I'm on the third one now. And it's um, it's really quite a journey, and I I really I really love it, and it, I find it inspiring in a in a little bit of a sad way, but it still makes me happy. So, thank you for asking. Oh, that's great. I I do miss him. You know, he's yeah. one of those guys that you don't realize how much of an impact he had on our culture until he's not here anymore. But, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Ara, what is making you happy this week? Well, well, we'll get to mine in just a second, but Fisher, I had to ask, did you find anything out of Star Trek Day yesterday, yesterday interesting? Uh, yeah, a couple new toys, and um, the the trailer for Strange New Worlds dropped, I think, which I, or the it teaser was at least. A, yeah, they, they did the meet the cast. They didn't show us much okay. in the way of plot, but I was just yeah. happy to see anything. Yeah, it was nice to, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they confirmed that, that, that all the too. episodes are going to be basically one shot. So I'm I'm so happy for that. Yeah. I'm so episodic. tired of Star Trek shows that are like, oh, yeah, here, you need to catch up on stuff from like the last eight episodes in order to watch this. No. Here's another serialized arc. No. Yeah. Give us a no. show, at least one show that can be episodic. I agree. I agree. Yes. Alrighty. But what's really making me happy was yesterday was the first uh, drop of the new collaboration between uh, Webtoons, Webcomics, and DC Comics. So the first one that arrived yesterday is called Batman Wayne Family Adventures, which is basically a slice of life that revolves around Bruce Wayne and the many, many, many kids that he has taken in over the years and all of the weird, fun dynamics out of that. So I really love it's the kind of stories that I've loved out of the Batman world and we don't get nearly enough of them in the modern age. Um, so I'm happy to see it. I especially love the art direction. It's from a creator that I've watched on Twitter and DeviantArt for years and years and years. And I'm so happy to see their art on a larger platform. So I'm super excited. Go read it. I fast passed to the latest episode immediately because I just couldn't wait and I needed as many morsels as I could. So that is Batman Wayne Family Adventures. All right. Um, Nick, what is making you happy? Uh, so I guess on the same note of animated uh, things, uh, we started watching Blood of Zeus, which is an animated series on Netflix. Um, after, I guess, we all sort of learned that we do enjoy Greek mythology if it's done right, you know, after Hades. Um, <laughs> we decided to jump into this because it's been on our wish list since it came out, which I think was sometime last year. 
And uh, so far, it's phenomenal. Like some of the Netflix originals, especially the animated ones, are kind of cheesy. You know, maybe the animation isn't great. Maybe the story isn't great. There's, there's just something lacking in them. This one clicked immediately with us. And that's that's always one of those, you know, in the first five minutes, you you kind of know. All right. I don't know if I like this or not. Or, yeah, I want to keep watching. And this one, we got like three episodes in. I can't wait to see the next episode tonight. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been holding off on that show because I'm the art style looks interesting, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be my cup of tea because I, I do love Greek like epics and retellings of the uh, pantology. But it's also one of those things of it's very easy to do them wrong. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And this is on Netflix, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's I think there's a season two coming. Um there's currently just the one season. I'm not sure how many episodes that entails because I try not to look at that list. It tends to spoil things. So I just watch it. I think it's like 11 to 13. That works. I I feel like a lot of them are eight or thereabouts. That, that seems to be a happy number for these types of shows. <laughs> that is Blood of Zeus on Netflix. Thank you, Nick. Well, what's making me happy this week is The Matrix. The Matrix Resurrections teaser website went up a couple of days ago where you could choose a red or blue pill and be narrated to by uh, none other than Doogie Hauser himself, um, uh, <laughs> whose name wow. I, I always do this. Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. And go. then uh, I, I should have looked up the name. Sorry. But what, what's the <laughs> other guy's name? Watchman. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Um, so you could be narrated to by either of these cast members. They told you the time live. It was a really cool dynamic. You got some teaser images and it was just just joyful. And then today, the actual three-minute trailer dropped where you got to see Neo and Trinity and somebody who looks like Morpheus but obviously isn't uh, <laughs> and a few other characters and you get to see Neo in therapy. Oh, it's so I'm just so excited about it. I have I'm one of those few people who love the Matrix sequels, including um, the the Reloaded. Which I mean, Reloaded was was great, but um, Revolutions, Revolutions was was kind of lambasted, and I understand why, but I still loved it. And I'm just excited to see more Matrix in the world. So that is the Matrix Four trailer. It's live now, and uh, yeah, go watch it. Hey, Amen. All right, that's our show for the week. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at androidcentral.com. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find Nick at Guanatu. You can find Michael at Captain Two Phones. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of us at Android Central or Mr. Mobile on the YouTube. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Stay mobile. <laughs>